Welcome back to the MetaMinds Live Experience, where we're all about relentless self-development and consciousness optimization. And today we will be talking about vulnerability and men and a few other topics to do with men and their role in society and maybe the expectations and maybe different gender roles that we've noticed. Mm. Um, but, but mainly the idea of men's mental health is the overarching theme, I guess. And today I've got Nicola Stevens. With Hi, me. thanks for having me back, Dan. It's always fun to be on here and have a chat. So appreciate you coming on and uh, appreciate our chats all the time. We have some yeah, good chats. Yeah, we so do have some good chats. Keen to chat about uh, this topic because it definitely is close to my heart. It's something that um, I guess I've been battling with, we'll say, mm. for a long time, mm-hmm. and like the expectations mm-hmm. that are placed on me from society, and I'm sure a lot mm. of other men experience this as well. So I think it's a good one to talk about and really um, put it out into the world. Definitely. And I think as well, even though I'm, you know, I'm a woman, I'm female, but um, I have important men in my life. So I live in a household full of men and, you know, kids, my kids are boys. So, um, you know, it is a topic that is close to my heart as well, just from a different perspective. Yeah. Yeah. Which is valuable that we've got the two perspectives as well. And um, while this is happening as well, this is all going through the CastBox app on Livecast. Um, so we will potentially be engaging in the chat. But for yeah. people listening to the podcast now, after the fact, um, jump on CastBox and check out Livecast because this is where a lot of these interesting interactions take place. Um, and Joseph just joined the chat. So welcome. And uh, Yeah, thanks for joining us, Joseph. Welcome. Yeah. All right. So... Do we want to start off with experiences? Yeah, definitely. So I'm really curious, um, Dan, because this was a topic that um, is important to you and something you've been thinking about lately. So I'm really curious to hear about your experiences about, you know, what it means to be a man and being vulnerable as a man and, um, yeah, just any kind of anything related to that topic that's been standing out to you lately. Yeah. Um, So I think this has always been something that's kind of been – um, on my mind, um, so not having my, my dad in my life. Mm. And I think there were questions around maybe that and what, like, I didn't really have necessarily a male figure. Like, my mum's ex-partner was a really good role model. But I think still subconsciously or even consciously, parts of me were obviously, like, questioning my place in the world, questioning my role, like, what's expected of me as a man or what's expected of me as a person, I guess, as a whole. Um, so early on, like, I was always questioning just myself. And um, Mm -hmm. I've always been quite inquisitive about who I am and what makes me tick. Right. Yeah. But I think I started noticing maybe expectations through primary school, maybe. Mm -hmm. Um, And then I guess like when I went into middle school, it was like quite obvious to me that I wasn't really maybe not clicking with people. And like, I was a lot more, not, not like necessarily extremely sensitive and like Mm. outwardly sensitive but I think I wasn't like gelling with the idea of what a lot of the guys were doing Mm -hmm. and I think that was something I noticed early on that like the things that they were doing and I guess taking comfort in like it just didn't stand out to me Mm -hmm. um but then the the thing that always has stood out to me is maybe the role of my my uncles and kind of Mm. how how they've put a few ideas into my mind of like you should do particular things because you're a man. So an example mm-hmm. is that when I got my automatic license, driver's license, 
they made comments about, well, why don't you have a manual license? Like, mm. That's not what a guy does. And it's like, so, yeah. that, that's kind of what was expected of me as a male to have a manual car. Right. And that never made sense to me because I was like, yeah. but I don't necessarily feel comfortable. Like I would prefer to do my automatic driver's license and then come back to do the manual later potentially. But I remember that was like a constant thing that was kind of drilled into me mm. as I was trying to practice and all the pressure of like being bullied and high school pressures and not having friends mm. and then them making these comments as well, this yeah. expectation, this like pressure that was put on me. Yeah. It was like, it just didn't make sense to me. Like they obviously didn't understand feelings and emotions and what I was going through. Yeah. Um, yeah. Cause that was one thing that stood out. And then the big thing that always stood out to me was the idea that I like to manicure my beard, right? And I like to, like, have a nice presentation to my facial hair. Yeah. And that was something they'd make comments on. Really? Oh, do you not know how to use a razor? Or, oh, what What? are you doing? Why why is your facial hair looking so so nice today or whatever? Like, it was was kind of an expected thing that I shouldn't be doing that kind of thing. I shouldn't look after myself. I shouldn't care. I shouldn't Uh, be doing my hair because I would spike my hair up. And they're like, oh, you put a lot of gel in there. Like, that's not something a guy would do. And it's like, okay. So, like, they were the early things that were pushing on me constantly. Mm -hmm. Um, but then obviously society as a whole, like I felt those pressures as well. Um, so I don't know, lots of factors. I think it was just, and even to this day, like I still notice it to this day, like people, um, maybe not necessarily because of like the counseling thing, but the idea that like, I am an emotional empathetic person and I Mm. prefer like one-on-one interactions instead of like parties or group interactions. Yeah. People have like made little comments that it's like. I don't know. I can't even think of what comments they would have made, but the idea that I want the one-on-one emotional connection, it's like, oh, that's that's kind of weird or whatever. Like, why yeah. don't you like coming to parties or why don't you like drinking or doing this? But yeah, everyone's different, you know? Yeah, so it's almost, it sounds like there's almost this expectation on you, like, well, you've got to come out and you've got to be in a group and you've got to have a drink. And um, if you don't do that, like, as though there's something wrong. Yeah. When really that's just not how you are as a person like not what you prefer yeah um but it's like there's no space for that difference yeah is that kind of what you for sure yeah, yeah. I'd say so that, that it's not and like I'm generalizing there are obviously a lot of friends and people who have been really positive and have mm-hmm. really encouraged me to be more emotional and like appreciate that about me as a person um but yeah, there's definitely like those those little pressures or those comments. Yeah. And sometimes it doesn't even have to be a comment. It can just kind of be the way they react almost. Yeah. Or like the way they'll like ignore me at a party. Yeah. Because it's like, oh, well, he's not drinking. So yeah. why, why would I go and spend time? I don't know. It's just. Yeah. Or like a look. They give you a look. Yeah, or, yeah. Yeah. And again, I could just be like assuming certain things. Yeah. But there, there's definitely like. Yeah, there's a place for that as well. Yeah, you, know, you get that impression. That's yeah. the, like the impression that you're, the message you're receiving, yeah. even if it's not the message they mean to send, Yeah, that's what you're like getting from them. Yeah, for yeah. sure. And that would absolutely make sense that you would feel, you know, uncomfortable if you're kind of getting this message that mm, you're not really fit in and mm. yeah, you're not really doing the normal thing. So that would definitely, you know, put you on the outer a bit. Yeah. Yeah. Um. I guess so. There's a lot kind of in that to unpack and I'm curious around like um, if there's anything out of those things, you know, you talked about like the expectations of other people and um, just sort of things that you prefer to do versus what other people prefer to do and is there anything that's sort of been playing on your mind lately, like, you know, at the moment, like the most or, you know, what Mm. kind of drove you to have this as a topic of conversation? Yeah, um, 
I think it's because, like, I'm finally getting to that point where I'm, like, feeling comfortable with who I am. Yeah, Like, right. I'm just happy with who I am. And, like, I don't need external um, validation. Right. And that was always something that was playing on my mind. Like, oh, I need to go to this party because it's a common thing. Like, you have to. You're expected to go to a party mm. because that's just how it is kind of thing. Everyone else is there drinking. Like, it's the weekend. That's another big thing that I noticed mm. with a lot of, like, males in my life it's the idea that you work for the weekend yeah and that just never gelled with me because I've always had passions and things that I wanted to pursue that are bigger than me and like things that I could see myself doing forever and regardless of how much money I make out of it or whatever I get out of it it's the idea that I'm like sharing myself and like yeah. feel it's a form of therapy to be able to connect with other people you know either online or just through my counseling um, and that like means a lot to me. Yeah. So that's something that I've really just started recognizing more and more as time's gone on. Um, and then I've noticed like other friends who go out, you know, to clubbing or festivals or parties or whatever it may be. And like, they really enjoy that, but that's never been anything for that I've really enjoyed. Like yeah. I've had fun doing it, but it's never been like, Oh, this is amazing. Like I, yeah. I feel so alive when I'm here. Right. Like okay, I feel yeah. more alive when I have a deep chat with someone. Yeah, like that there's some yeah. connection there that really sparks in me. Right. So yeah. like, I've just noticed that. So I think that's why I just wanted to talk about it because I'm kind of like, well, this is how I feel. This is normal for me. This is exactly what makes me happy. But there are still people in my life that probably wouldn't know how deep that is or, yeah. or how much that means to me maybe. Yeah. Because obviously there is a part of me, whether that's from pressures or whether that's just from my own like filtering, mm-hmm. that I won't let this out necessarily to guys I guess yeah 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 what would it be like are there any guys I mean I don't know if it's yeah you don't have to answer this question might be a bit personal but are there friends that you have who are guys who are like comfortable with this kind of conversation or yeah um yeah oh that's good there are yeah yeah. so they are like supportive guys yeah in your life and for sure like um on the same kind of wavelength I would say so. Like, I'd say um, Eamon, yeah. the, uh, the co-host of Metamind. I was going to say, if he's not on your wavelength, like Yeah, is, yeah. Well, that, that's yeah. exactly right. Like, him and I are definitely on that wavelength. Um, yes. I can see that, yeah. And I think my friend Yossip and I seem to have that, and Jamie and I seem to have that as well. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe, yeah, it's like I've got a f- few people that are, like, really deep, and, mm. yeah, I don't know. It's it, it's it's good to have that. I really yeah. appreciate that. Um but yeah, it's. Um, I still feel like there are things that maybe are very deep within me that I still do maybe try to hold back. Yeah. And that's probably just because it's also good to like hide certain things. Well, not hide certain things, but like filter certain things. Like they yeah. don't have to know everything about me, every single thought I have or every single, yeah, yeah. Every, you know, it's maybe not necessary. And is it also, I guess, about, is it kind of about, um, yeah, like choosing to share like having that trust and sort of, yeah, or just knowing that they're going to get it and, yeah, you know you can trust someone with certain things and mm. certain people are maybe, you know, um, more understanding in one area and other people are more understanding in another area. Is it sort of like that as well? Yeah, or? I reckon, yeah, definitely. Like yeah. certain people I definitely share more with or less with or I have different conversations or I recognise yeah what the topic is going to be normally or the general theme of most yeah. conversations because of who they are as a person and what they've got going on or what they bring up. And what you have in common as well. And maybe? what we, yeah, definitely yeah. The, the similarities as well. Um, and I, and I definitely like, uh, Jamie's a good example of someone who we can have d- deep conversations, but we can also just 
have fun just yeah. talking about whatever. Just have a laugh. Like, and... just whatever, and that's, like, also comforting as well. Yeah, of course. Which, which is cool, so. You don't always have to go to, like, a deep place. Yeah, so, yeah for sure. Have a laugh. And... But sometimes I find myself even being hard on myself for wanting to be so deep, and sometimes yeah. I'm like, well, why don't I want to go and, like, go to a festival or, you know, go out clubbing again? Like, I don't know, there's, like, this also this other side of me that's kind of saying maybe you should be doing that. Right. But I think that's more so like the comparison trap, like seeing other people doing it uh, and maybe not necessarily to do with my own needs, but it's like, it's interesting that I still recognize it. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah, no, that makes (laughs) sense. No, that does make sense. I mean, I can even relate to some of what you're saying as well. Like, you know, obviously different perspective but there's definitely you know certain people I talk about you know certain things with and Mm. um I can relate to that like I'm gonna hold some things back because you know people aren't gonna understand it or I don't want to be too much for people so Mm. I don't want to you know be in their face I know yeah so all that kind of stuff yeah I can relate to that as well but I think you know the added pressure um you know we both would have different pressures on us because um of our different genders but Mm. Um, you know, as we're talking about, you know, men being vulnerable tonight, like definitely it does sound like there's some things that it's difficult to be vulnerable about with other guys or, mm. yeah, like some, as you said, some are not as accepting as others or they're like, oh, why are you doing that? Or they don't yeah. understand. Yeah. yeah. So, um, yeah, I'm actually curious. There is one more question I wanted to ask you. Yeah. Um, and it was about you said, you know, you've started to um, – you've started – to not need that external validation so much. And mm. I'm wondering, like, what led to that? Was there anything that you can kind of point to and go, oh, that kind of helped and that helped? Um, to be honest with you, I think it's the podcast. Really? I think it's starting the podcast and really just sharing who I am truly with the world. Wow. Like, yeah. counselling started it Yeah. when I had to share myself and be vulnerable in a counseling space and around other people and sharing my opinions and and even countering opinions or taking on criticism like that was something that like helped me grow and I recognize that as maybe one of the big points that like really helped me recognize like this is who I am like I I really am this way Um, but then the podcast the idea that I can just openly share who I am um, and people weren't you know being negative about it necessarily yeah. and not that I again I didn't need that um, validation from anyone because no one's come out and said oh Dan I really appreciate how vulnerable you were in this episode yeah. like I haven't specifically had that no. but it's within me that I can share that and that I can recognize mm-hmm. like okay I spoke about this deep topic with Nicola or with you know whatever and and it meant a lot to me but yeah. now it's there forever and hopefully one person will gain something out of it, like a gem where they can go, I can relate to that. Yeah. And that's powerful to me. Wow. So yeah. maybe we should all be starting like our, our own um, podcast so we can share our stories. Yeah. But actually I think that is a good point that you've made, that sharing your story with someone, and it sounds like you've got a fairly, um, you know, fairly positive audience who mm. are like accepting of, you know, what you're talking about overall. Like I'm not saying you would never have had criticism, but (laughs) but just that in, you know, if you've shared your story and people receive it well, um, there is something in that that's Mm. very powerful. And I think, um, you know, we see that in counselling a lot when we we hear we have the privilege to uh, listen to other people's stories and be part of their stories. Um, Yeah, yeah, and that, I mean, that's something, you know, another student said to me like that's something money can't buy you know Mm. um 
And so I think it is a really powerful experience to have your to be able to share your story and have someone sit and listen and hold it. So yeah, maybe we should all be doing our own podcasts mm. or finding our people who are gonna, you know, and also be working to be the people who as well as sharing our story, like are holding other people's stories. Cause I think if as a community we could hold other people this is me on my community rant, sorry. But if, so true, if people could, you know, if we could all learn to hold each other's stories, um yeah, like it it would just be really beneficial for everybody and mm. um, I think people would be feeling a lot more accepted and, you know, part of their community and not as isolated maybe. So yeah. I think there's some real power in that. Yeah, yeah definitely. And I appreciate that, yeah, that you shared that. Um, so that was pretty, yeah, it sounds like you've had a lot of experiences and they've been, yeah, pretty um, pretty intense. Yeah. Um, Did we want to move on to your experiences yeah so I guess for me obviously I'm not a man I'm a a woman and I can't talk about you know what it's like to be a man and be vulnerable but I think um I think just looking at sort of men throughout my life or, or guys you know when I was younger and and definitely there's variations like some you know some guys have definitely been more okay with with being open um and sharing themselves or sharing their stories and sharing their feelings and owning their feelings like going oh well I didn't like that or that was really you know that really upset me or that you know made me really angry um and then there's other times when I think um for whatever reason maybe because expectations have been placed on them that they're not allowed to um share their vulnerabilities they end up kind of um you know sometimes people end up sort of trying to like get validation from you or really talk themselves up and say like I did such a great job in this and I did such a great job in that and Mm -hmm. you know like almost like they're saying please notice how well I'm doing um and you know a long well not a long time ago like not that long ago I sort of you know that used to really annoy me I'd be like why are you saying this like you just sound like you're bragging all the time but um you know and that was my initial like almost gut response but over time having reflected on it I think actually you are asking me for validation and you're actually putting me in quite a powerful position because I can't really you know give that to you that you know the way you want it like as in of course I can acknowledge you know you have done a great job Mm. um and so now I'm a little more I try to be a little more um I guess have that understanding and if someone is there and it sounds like they're bragging to me like listing off all the things they're doing and how great they're going at stuff I do try to acknowledge and say oh yeah it sounds like you've done really well there Mm. um because I think sometimes what's behind it is actually like I'm not allowed to talk about when I didn't go well Mm. so please tell me that I'm going okay sometimes I think that's there yeah um or other times it could be you know sometimes it's putting other people down like it's not a it's not, and not necessarily in a like a super mean way, like a, um, you know, like a malicious way. It's kind of just like having a joke or, um, kind of teasing, and it, you know, like oh yeah, um, and it's. I don't think it's intended to be, um, mean or malicious at all. But you know, obviously, sometimes if someone's like kind of constantly joking with you but kind of teasing you in a way that you think oh you're kind of putting me down here like Mm. that can get you down a little bit um but again I I wonder like 
if that you know there must be something going on there that they can't really say like in a direct way what's on their mind or you know being vulnerable or opening up um and you know that's fine like no one has to be say anything to me they don't want to share with me like I'm not saying you should tell me everything but Mm. I guess you know that kind of way of relating when it's not just a one-off but it's like an ongoing pattern Mm. yeah it makes me think oh I wonder if you know there are things going on that they don't feel they can be comfortable Mm. sharing with me or just you know like just being honest with me or um yeah, or and or not that they're not honest, but just there's, yeah, just some yeah. sort of indirect like little digs or something, and mm. you're like, oh, I wonder what that's about. Like, it's a yeah, bit, a bit odd. So, um, and right. if it gets too much, I I just kind of like, hmm, just I'm going to talk to you for a while. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> because obviously boundaries and looking after yourself is important as well. So yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I think. Um, one thing that stood out to me as you were saying that it was something I wanted to say before, but yeah. it's interesting how in my experiences and from my understanding of how men react um, and kind of what's expected is it's almost like the idea that men need to be okay. Like they, they need to hold it together. Yes. They need to hold oh, it together yes. and they, and, and showing emotion is not holding it together. Almost, yes. Yeah. Which yeah. is like, yeah, well, but how are they getting their needs met? How are they exactly? Yeah, like if you've got these things going on internally and you're battling them, but you as a man need to hold it together because you need to just be okay with things to hold mm. it together for everyone else. Then that's like an interesting kind of pressure, and I don't know if that's a societal pressure. Maybe I think it is. So I, I want to speak to that too. Yeah. Like that hold it together um, kind of story is really strong in our culture, I think, um, and also sometimes. Um, I think we as women can kind of perpetuate it because we're like, oh, well, you know, my partner, like he's, you know, just I can't see him like crying and falling apart because I can't cope if he does. Or, you know, we might say like, I need you to be strong Mm. for me or something like that. Um, But, you know, yeah, like where is that space for the man to, to, cry if he needs to cry or mm. you know to feel grief if he needs to feel grief or um you know talk about his feelings and his experiences and and not be judged or um you know have that have that held have a place to also be cared for mm. even while he's trying to care for others and sort of hold it together like in inverted commas mm. for everyone else so um yeah i think that is a really strong story in our society like men have to hold it together and emotion is not holding it together mm. like and I guess I really want to drill down that like, why is emotion yeah. not holding it together um is it really not holding it together I think if you suppress it all and then implode maybe yeah. that's not holding it together yeah but maybe if you are able to share your emotion yeah and you then you can go on yeah. with whatever you've got to go on with I think that's totally holding it together. Well, that's it. And it kind yeah. of makes me think about the idea of counselling and how as counsellors we need to seek supervision so that mm. we can then be in service of the client so that our um, maybe, I don't know, intrinsic kind of feelings or thoughts or like um, things that may trigger us or make us feel uncomfortable, we can express them in a non-judgmental kind of space yeah. um, with a supervisor. And I think you know, it's a similar kind of thing for men. Like if men could be more open to express 
emotions, um, you know, how they're feeling, what's going on, why they think those feelings are occurring, and maybe an alternative mm. story to that, then would that not then be in service of the people around you, your family, totally. or the society, you know, the community that you're in? So yeah. in turn, that is holding it together. That's yeah. you then holding it together for everyone else and being, well, maybe not that, but, you know, it's yeah. in service of a larger picture. People, if you're looking after yourself, yeah. yeah. But then also... What's this story? I guess I'm like, I love to ask questions and like mm-hmm. break everything down. I'm like, so what's this story about holding it together? Like, why is it so important that men hold it together all the time? Mm. Like, and not women? Like, yeah. what I don't understand. Like, what is it that, why do you have to hold it together? Like, yeah. can you not just be like, if someone close to you dies, can you not weep? Like, yeah. is it not, you know, that's called a human response, I guess. Yeah, well, like, so I, you know, and I think, I think sometimes, you know, in our society, we just feel uncomfortable when men are like crying or, mm. um, you know, really upset and we don't know what to do. We get really shocked. And I guess we are privileged, you know, to be in a counseling, counseling work where if people cry, if, if, a, you know, if a client came in and cried and it was a man, I don't think I would really be, wouldn't really stress me out. Like mm. I think it would be fine. And yeah. Um, but that's not always the case. So yeah. um yeah, I think it's interesting about why why do guys, you know, have to hold it together. Yeah. Yeah. And I guess in that situation it would be interesting to then break down uh their processes on this. Like if they yeah. were to make a comment like, oh, I shouldn't be crying. Oh yeah. but why shouldn't you be crying? Yeah. Like to tell me about that. You know, tell yeah. me where that's come from. Um, because normally it would be maybe like a family member or society or, or something at large yeah, has that's told them. told them that that's not okay. Toughen up. Yeah, yeah toughen up. You can't, you can't cry. You're a man. Like yeah, that like, was something that I was definitely told yeah. Um, by, yeah, by, by, you know, people in my life. But the interesting thing is like majority of my life I was raised by my mum and my, my grandma. So yeah. two really prominent female figures in my life. Um, and that really allowed me to be in touch with my emotions and yeah. display my emotions. Um, so I'm like really, yeah, really happy that that was the case. Like I, I really appreciate that. Um, but again, like that's not the case for a lot of people. Like if they have mm-hmm. a dominant male figure who's trying to push a particular agenda or a particular way of being, yeah, then I can understand why you would then embody that as mm-hmm. the way to be because you're looking up to this model who's a male, who's your dad or someone, mm-hmm. you know, a male in your life. Um, so I, I can understand how people do get into that trap, but I love the idea of as a, you know, a social change to be able to make that not the primary narrative anymore. Yeah. Like be okay to communicate with your son in an emotional way. Yeah. You know, like but, if you cry, it's okay. Yeah. You cry in front of your son, that's fine. Like yeah. it's not bad. Yeah. Um, and I think also on that note, sometimes it is, you know, it is dads who are kind of teaching the way they were taught and you know this is what I've learned about what it means to be a man and so I'm teaching my son but sometimes it also can be mothers like mums can say things as well like you know toughen up don't cry you're a boy so um you need to be strong and um you need to be tough and all those kinds of messages as well and sort of be like this is what boys do and this is what girls do and so Mm. boys can only do this and you know that could be a message that your mother tells you from a very young age and so when you're very young you just kind of accept it because mm. you know you you don't you can't think critically about um what 
you know, what your parents are teaching you because um, you're so young. Mm. And so you just accept whatever, you know, mum or dad says. And mm. then that can be hard to shape off later or to, you know, it, it's a process to like actually hold that up to the light and go, what was that that they were saying? Why did they say that? And mm. is that really what I agree with now? Yeah. Yep. So it can be, it can be dads. It also can be mums as well. So, and I also wondered about generational, like I wonder if it's mm. a generational thing. I mean, I think definitely there's a lot of pressure in um, sort of my parents' generation and earlier that it was very clear, like gender roles and um, the expectations were very, like, very kind of rigid and divided. This is how it appears to me now. Anyway, as a a millennial, um, (laughs) (laughs) one of those damn millennials, (laughs) and it, it does seem like there's those quite rigid expectations. Like, mm. this is what the man does. This is what the woman does. Um, there's a man and there's no woman. overlap. As there's such. no overlap. Yep. Um, and, I mean, that may not be the case, obviously, for every <laughs> every man and every woman in those generations. But, mm. um, it's yeah, it seems like it was a very strong story that is still carrying on to yep. this, like has carried down to our generation that, we are, yeah, mm. so it's changing a little bit. Um, yeah. But I think, gen- yeah, what do you think about generational? Like, it does I, sound I like definitely trouble. think, yeah, for sure. That was something mm. I noticed with, um, yeah, family members who were the generation uh, before me mm. um, and even before them as well, like very strong discourse where it's like mm. the men do this, the women do this. You yeah. know, men play with these toys, women play with these toys. Yeah. Or girls and boys, you know, it's yeah. like drilled in almost and and yeah you know we can't I guess blame them because that was like a almost like a societal norm right like yeah. it was drilled into people and like Absolutely. you said like that that's kind of changing now so mm-hmm. we need to um I guess encourage people to be okay with changing that that narrative because yeah like you said it was very strong and it still is to this day there are definitely pockets all over the world I'm sure yeah where um very distinct roles or very distinct things that men and women should do. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I guess what we're trying to get to is the idea that it is okay for men to be vulnerable. Like that is kind of the idea we're getting at. Um, I did want to read this message from Matt here. So Matt said, my fire, my father is a retired fireman and rescue diver. Wow. He struggled with holding in emotions and PTSD during his battle with cancer. He started going to therapy meditating and trying to emotionally heal as well as physically. He's now cancer free and healthier and happier than ever. I think that learning to be vulnerable and open helped save his life. Wow. That's amazing. Wow. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that, Matt. Yeah. Thank you, Matt. And I can imagine that, you know, those, that job of being a firefighter, um, you know, that does come with the risk of, of PTSD and, um, you do see things that are quite um, harrowing. Mm. And so um, I'm really glad to hear that he was able to find ways to sort of manage his own health and was very proactive about it and found that vulnerability was something that was helpful in that situation mm. and didn't actually make it worse. So, yep. yeah, I'm I'm so, I'm so glad that, yeah, that he was able to do that, Matt. And thank you so much for sharing that with us, yeah. Mm. And um, on those quotes i guess that we were saying before jimmy and harry have added in comments here so man up is a very common one man up yeah very common one and hold it together man is another one like the idea that 
if yeah, uh, and I've, I've seen this yeah. where like I've maybe been emotional, been affected yeah. by something, and I've tried to have a conversation with a male friend, and it's like, oh, just, just hold it together, man. Like they yeah. don't engage in the emotion because they may be scared of it or they're uncomfortable. They don't know how to react to me being emotional. So true. So actually. it's kind of like just hold it together, man. Yeah. Like, you'll be fine. Just hold it together. But it's like, but where's the support? Like, what, are you going to yeah. help me through this? Yeah. Like, all I need <laughs> is someone to almost hear it out. That's and that, that would be more helpful than you just, just going, just out. just move on, basically. Yeah. Just deal with it. What about, like, um, I don't know if, if you ever get this. I sometimes get, like, um, calm down. Like, yeah, calm down. Mm. You're getting too upset. You're getting yeah. too – and I, I think, again, and, you know, yeah, um, I don't usually hear that from women mm. and and I, I think well is that because again it's similar like is it that you're uncomfortable with how I'm feeling right mm. now and the way that I'm expressing it um and maybe yeah just I just really want you to hear me out um and that's it like that yeah it would be yeah. helpful it would be helpful yeah. but it is it you know it's not an easy thing to sit with other people's emotions it no. can be uncomfortable but mm-hmm. I guess it's a skill that um you know, it takes practice and, and often, you know, when you're not even supposed to be vulnerable, well, how can you ever have any practice mm. in sitting with someone else's emotion because you're expected not to have it and mm. they're expected not to have it. Mm. So it's not really fair to say to someone, get comfortable, yeah. like just without any help or support. Yeah. Well, that's it. Like you said, it's a skill and it's, it's something that um, can be very powerful but also very hard to actually show yeah. people yeah. <laughs> that you're uh, capable of empathy and capable of holding space, you know, like mm. especially when someone's crying and potentially there is no answer then and there. Yeah. I, no. I know a lot of guys feel uncomfortable with that because a lot of guys, yeah. the mentality again is fix it. Is that fix a thing it, for guys? Because sure. I always hear that is like the thing like guys have to be, um, you know, like we're going to fix the problem and all you have to do is blah, 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 and it's sorted. I'm like, yeah. so is that a thing that guys have sure. to feel like I've got to fix it? Yeah, and I and I like, almost feel like I've looked into a bit of this about the way that the, the male brain is actually developed to be more like uh, rational and step-by-step in terms of like mm-hmm. a logical process, not as emotionally wired. Mm-hmm. Um, again, that could be the pruning of the neurons as a kid and through society, yeah, potentially. Like to say, don't feel this, don't feel this, yeah. shut down those pathways. For sure, and that could change over time. Yes. If that conversation changes and the neurons yes. don't get pruned at that point. Yeah, so Ooh, that's interesting. That's a really interesting yes. shift, maybe. Um, but to answer the question, yeah, I think that's a very common thing. Like, um, and, and I even noticed this in myself. Like, I, I am kind of about that idea of like, well, let, let's fix it. Let's fix it. But because of my like emotional side as well, and through the counseling training, I've recognized that sometimes, and you know, you just can't, like yeah. you, you can't actually fix it sometimes. Like a lot of things are out of our control and sometimes yeah. people just need someone there to hold that space, yeah. you know, and that can be uncomfortable. Yes. But, yeah. um, and, and then it will be uncomfortable for a lot of people. It but, is. Yeah. Even, and I guess even like, if you feel uncomfortable, if your friend's telling you something or your, you know, your partner's telling you something and you feel uncomfortable, like that's okay as well. You don't have to feel, you don't have to feel comfortable to be helpful. Mm. Um, I think that's one of the big things I've learned as well in counselling is sometimes things are just uncomfortable and it's not easy mm. and you can still be helpful and valuable. Just your presence is valuable. Yeah. So don't ever sell yourself short, even if you're not used to being vulnerable, but you want to be vulnerable, mm. I guess, yeah, never sell yourself short because just your presence with someone at a difficult time can make all the difference for them, even if you're just like sitting next to them and yeah. not saying anything. That can be enough 
yeah. If yeah. that's all you can do, that is that's, that's amazing. Great. Yeah. yeah, that is amazing. Yeah. Um, yeah. Hannah makes a good point here as well. It starts at such a young age. Don't cry. It's okay. Be a big boy. Oh yeah, be a big boy. Mm. Yeah. Oh yeah. That's yeah. a really hard one, isn't it? Um, yeah. And I guess on that note, I yeah, like I do have young young boys, and I do try not to say those kinds of things like be a big boy and don't cry like um and it is uncomfortable actually I'll say as a parent it's uncomfortable for me to see my children crying or in pain um and not being able to instantly fix it Mm -hmm. um but what I don't say is stop crying and what I don't say is like you know toughen up be a big boy rub some dirt in it or something Mm -hmm. like that because I I am aware that you know, this story around what boys can and can't do is very strong in our culture and I I want them to at least have a safe space with me, um, you know, at least have a trusting relationship where if they do want to come home from school and something's happened and they want to have a cry, mm. that there is someone who will sit with that and not tell them to stop it. Yeah. Just one person. So I guess you know, for now while they're so little and I'm their mum, mm. I want to be that person. And then as they get older, you know, there'll be there'll be other people in their life hopefully. But, um, you know, I'm always going to try and hold that space yep. for them. Yeah. Yep. So, but it, it's hard, you know, as a parent, it's hard to unlearn those messages as well. So, again, don't beat yourself up if that's something you say sometimes. Yeah. Like you're a parent and you're like, oh, I tell my kid that. Well, that's, you know, it happens to all of us. And yeah. just think about what you prefer to be doing how Mm. do you want to be you know what lessons do you want to be sharing with them and if you didn't get it right the first time you'll have so many opportunities yeah it's never too late yeah Mm. and then from your story as well it sounds like um you're you're modeling this early on so that there's the opportunity but obviously through throughout time and throughout learnings there will be different stories that come in potentially through school totally but the fact that you've started that groundwork of like this is an okay thing to do yeah. It's like starting the, the the layer of bricks, I guess, to yeah. um, allow an alternative story or to yeah. allow other options. Yeah, even yeah, just to have that extra perspective. Mm. I mean, I can't yeah tell all the story, but yeah, that is definitely something I say. Like, it's okay to cry. Mm. It's okay to feel sad. One of the things, it's okay to feel scared. Mm. Um, it's okay, like you know, it's okay to be upset and all these kinds of things, just I really want them to learn that it is okay. Yeah. It is all right. Yeah. yeah, that's it. And I don't want anyone to be like, boys can't do that. Like, it is okay for boys to be upset. Of yeah. course. Well, that's course it. it um, Hannah's saying here, I'm trying to raise oh. my boy to be open with his emotions. That's lovely to hear. Yeah. Um, and then Harry said, my mother did best thing she ever did. Oh, fantastic. That's so good. That's great. Open and transparent. That's a really nice yeah. way to be, Harry. That's lovely. Um, yeah, that's lovely. Thank you, everyone, for sharing. Interesting. Uh, yep, cool. Thanks for sharing that as well, Harry. Just going through the chat now for people listening to the podcast yeah. after the fact. Uh, yeah, I guess there's some different opinions about, like, you know, when it's okay to show strong emotion and when it's not okay. And I think, I guess the important thing is that as long as you know for you when it's important to, you know, um, when it's okay for you to share something with someone or share an emotion, you know, whether that's an emotion or a story, as long as it's okay 
between you and the other person that you're sharing it with, then it's okay. Yeah. Um, and so it's totally fine for you to define that for yourself. Mm. Um, but I don't, what I think we shouldn't be doing perhaps is defining it for other people and saying no. you should cry now and you shouldn't cry now. Yeah. I think you can only make that decision for yourself about yourself mm. because everyone's different and everyone's got different life experiences and backgrounds. Like it would be very unfair, you know, for example, for me to say to, if I had, you know, um, say, I, well, I was a teacher once and say I had a student who was crying in my class, um, you know, someone might say, well, that's inappropriate for a you know, 15-year-old boy to cry in class, for example. Mm. But, you know, what if um, one of his parents had just passed away or something, or he had his first breakup? Mm. Like, you know, I think there always needs to be an understanding of the context around people's behaviour and not be too quick to say, well, you know, this is a good time to cry or not a good time to cry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's really a lot about it all depends and it's on for context. Sure. So, yeah. Um, I'm never going to judge someone for crying. Yeah. Really? Yeah. <laughs> like, I'm not, yeah. And and not even, like, like the whole idea of crying, I think, is a big thing. Like, it's such a, a big concept that men can't cry. But I also think that just the idea that sharing the way you're feeling just as a whole is a big, um, like, discourse that men can't share how you feel. Like, regardless if yeah. you're crying or if you're, like, extremely emotional, like, I can be 100% level-headed about an extremely mo- an emotional mm. topic but I can communicate that with a friend. And to yeah. me, that's really powerful. And yes. that's me being vulnerable and expressing yes. emotion, but I'm not crying and I'm holding it together and I'm having a genuine conversation with someone. Yeah. So to me, that's like a nice combination where I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm level-headed. But again, that's my truth. Other people have their own truth. And, and I'm going to break that down and be like, why do you need to hold it together? Like, you yeah, can well, that's, I, know, like, I noticed that when I said that. I'm like, you, can have, you don't have to, like, hold it together. You can yeah. just let it go. And, um, you know, and the thing about emotion as well is that it passes. Mm. And it's not, um, it's not something you are. It's yeah. something that, you know, it's like a sensation. It's actually like a physical sensation. Um, so to say, oh, well, don't feel that sadness is kind of like saying, well, don't feel it when someone punched you in the arm. Mm. Um, actually, it's just part of being human and, there's, you know, we don't need to be shamed for being human. Yeah, well, yeah. that's exactly right. Yeah. That's exactly so. right. Um, this comment from Hannah here, so I've had to correct my parents when they say stuff like that to my kids, even when it comes to toys. Oh, yeah. you can't play with that car. It's for boys. Screw that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I've definitely had instances where I've, I've had, um, you know, other parents say to their children like, oh, you know, this toy's for girls and this toy's for boys. Um, and so I guess for me I don't, I don't try and tell them like what they should and shouldn't say. But what I do say to my kids is, you know, everyone can play with everything. Like a toy's not a boy or a girl. A toy's mm. a toy. So anyone can play with anything that they want to play with. If yep. you don't, you know, if you're a boy and you don't want to play with dolls or Barbies, that's fine. Like, you know, I'm not saying like play with something you don't want to play with. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but if you do want to, that's also fine. Like yep. it's really, you know, whatever you want to, yeah. Yeah. To do is is fine. And, For sure. Um, yeah. Because I think like what we touched on before about the neural pathways, like if we break it down to a neuroscience like if we start categorizing things at such a young age and we start telling our kids or anyone in our life how to be, mm. then you're like almost dictating or tr- trying to guide them to a particular way of being because of your own thoughts, right, yeah. or your own opinions on what's right and wrong. And um, as I've noticed going through the chat as well, like other people have different opinions, which is completely fine. 
That's you right. know, but you also have to respect that I have an opinion and that Nicola has an opinion and that everyone out there has a different opinion on yeah. something. And that's yeah. the most powerful thing about um, recognizing it because, um, you know, for me, one thing that makes me feel, I guess, vulnerable within the counseling space sometimes is um, maybe the idea of someone like not, not challenging me, but I have this thing where I'm very particular about when I say things, especially yeah. in a group, mm -hmm. because I recognize that other people have their own opinions. So sometimes I will hold myself back because I'm worried mm. that someone will oh, say something, right? Right. right. Um, but that's just my own maybe insecurity about it right. and my own like discomfort around group settings, maybe. Interesting. Yeah. Um, but over time, I've felt more comfortable voicing myself. And then if someone goes, oh, well, you know, I think there's more to that story, then that's fine. You know, it doesn't yeah, matter yeah. that there's another opinion that almost adds to the richness of what I'm yeah. saying, what I'm trying to get out. They're adding a different perspective, which in turn potentially could help a client because there's then two perspectives that are yes. offered as such. And the client can choose whatever is most helpful or not choose any life, whatever yeah. they think that's is it. best. That's interesting though. Yeah. Um, that's it. And having these different ideas and opinions. So yeah, it's it's definitely interesting, and I guess you know we're still sort of talking about these expectations on mm. men and and gender roles, and I mean there's so many stories out there that I'm yeah I'm quite interested in and, and curious about. Um, is there? Do you want to go on to one of these ones, or should we stay here, or what's the? Um, I'm keen to move on to maybe another. Awesome. Topic there. Cool. Uh, which one? I don't, I don't know which one to go to, maybe. <laughs> what about, um, I guess I'm, I'm curious about drinking culture around, yeah. like, especially in Australia. So we have some international listeners. So mm. I don't know um, if this is going to resonate, you know, with everybody um, who's listening. So, mm. you know, feel free to jump into the chat around, you know, what drinking culture is like where you're from yeah um or, yeah just join the conversation um yeah. i'm curious about yeah drinking culture so i i grew up in an environment where drinking wasn't a very prominent thing mm. um but it's only as i've gotten older and i've realized that drinking is quite um alcohol features quite prominently in many australian lives mm. uh, and sometimes it's quite problematic mm. um like maybe to an extent that I didn't realize. Yep. So yeah, did you want to talk a little bit about like your experience with drinking culture as, as a guy, like growing yep. up in, you know, going to high school and growing up in Australia and yep. yeah, what the expectations are on you and so forth? Yeah, I think um, the first time I noticed it was back to my uncles. They, they right. were quite heavy drinkers. I guess mm, they still would be. Mm. Um, and it was kind of that idea of like, oh, just do you want a drink? Come on, have a drink with us. You know, have a drink. And it was like mm. coming from a place maybe, you know, coming from a nice place maybe, but the fact yeah. that I would refuse it became the problem. Like, oh, well, you don't like drinking. What's your problem kind of thing? And yeah. it, it's just this idea that like if I don't want to engage in that, then that's the problem where it would be so much better if I could say no, but we could still just sit Hang and chat, up. you know. And it wouldn't um, be an issue. Yeah. Yeah. But like then I guess the big – like the, the process where I really notice it – was when I started going to parties, obviously, because it's a drinking environment. Fair enough, yes. Um, but it just became, like, kind of an expectation that, you know, you you would binge drink. That's the biggest problem, oh, I think, okay. in the Australian culture, the idea that, like, you may not drink through the week, 
but when it's the weekend oh you drink you, yeah. you, you drink until you pass out kind you of thing and it's, yeah and it's like this idea that you you almost numb the week you know you, you numb what's oh. happening in the week just to have such a crazy um which, which again you could argue that maybe that's a way for men to get out emotions but you're not actually addressing the emotions oh, that's so true actually because i'm suddenly thinking about you know when like um you start, you know, like if you have so much to drink, you start telling your friends that you love them mm-hmm. or you're my best buddy or the best friend I've ever had. And I wonder if that does actually come from a genuine place. But it's like you can only say it if you've le- like lost all your inhibitions. Mm-hmm. And this is like the scariest thing to do is actually say how you feel. Yeah. And the alcohol takes that mask off. Oh, wow. Alcohol allows you to do that. So I think wow. it is a form of um displaying emotion i guess through doing that and also another interesting thing is the idea of like what music you listen to so if you listen to like really heavy rock or metal you're into Mm. like really full-on like deep rap as such like i know through the and even punk as well like Mm. well really any sort of music but these genres that could be seen as like a negative genre like metal has a bit of a connotation negative connotation to it for a lot of people yeah Yeah, even though i love metal music fair enough i Um, know quite a few people like yeah metal yeah but i i noticed that the people who who i've been friends with who absolutely love that it's their way to really let out emotion you know it's it's not the idea that it's like angry negative music it's the fact that they can let out these emotions in a different way so it's like connecting to these emotions like feeling a way that you don't normally feel or um Mm. yeah well it's interesting though because I guess I sort of listen to music to feel a way that I don't normally feel but I don't use it to necessarily well then again I was gonna say I don't use it to express my emotion but actually yeah I kind of do so Mm -hmm. (laughs) so I I guess maybe yeah that is a a way of um connecting with your own emotion and so maybe that's something people can do if they're looking for like well, how can I connect with my emotion? But you know, like in a way that's I'm you know comfortable with. Just to start out with, yeah, m- music could be a great way mm-hmm. to just reflect. You know, like um, even just have that. I don't know. We I've, I talked with a friend um about I've talked with friends about emotional literacy and like um, understanding what emotion. And it's a skill I actually try and teach my kids. Like actually naming the emotion that you're feeling at the time. So. Um, that doesn't mean that you have to go around, you know, saying it, but just being able to identify, okay, what's happening in my body? How am I feeling? What is this emotion? Like just knowing for yourself what it is, mm. is incredibly important because I think, um, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I get the impression that the idea in, um, you know, when you're a man is that you have to, you can express anger, that's okay, um, and you can be happy. Well, we, hold it together, maybe. You can be cool. Yeah, cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I think we talked about we that a little bit. That, so yeah. I want to hear more about that. Um, but you can't be too happy. You can't be like super exuberant. Oh, maybe you can be like if you're a really outgoing personality, you can get away with it. Um, otherwise, you have to be very like cool, non-emotional, mm-hmm. collected, collected. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. Hold it together again. Mm, it comes mm. back to that. So yeah, I wonder if you can speak to that a little bit. Like yeah, what is what are acceptable ways that men, you know, what are acceptable emotions for men according to our big stories that we have yeah. in our society? Yeah, I think that's right. I think um, anger probably would be one. Yeah, uh, and I think the the happy or the cool, sorry, being mm. cool, being collected. 
Um, I think maybe also calm, the idea that yeah. men should be calm, but that kind of leads into that narrative of being collected, having it all together yeah. and not showing emotion. Um, but yeah, I, I just, I feel like these, these strong emotions are kind of what's expected, but then the problem is you, you as a, a man potentially could resent the fact that you feel a certain way. So if you're mm. feeling, you know, um, emotional, for example, you could resent the fact that you feel emotional. Yeah. So you try to suppress that down, which then could lead into anger, mm. which then could be positively reinforced by society because that's seen mm. as okay for a man to do, or, you know, mm. you could put it into hiding it. So you become mm. cool and collected. So then it's reinforced through society. So you never actually address um, the underlying emotion or the theme that you, you need to address and, yeah. and linking it in with what Angie said. Um, it's better to let it out than hold it all in. Mm. People have psychotic breaks over years of just not releasing strong emotions. It can be, yeah, it, it can, can be, be true. Or like even um, it makes me think of um, like when people experience trauma, um, their body really can um, hold on to that even though they may have, you know, moved on, um, not moved on, but, you know, they um, – even though in their mind they might be like, yeah, it's okay, but their body may still have some reactions or hold on to some emotions. So, mm. yeah, it's important to, I guess, um, explore that and, and get in touch with that. Yeah. Yeah. So um, I'd like to touch on this point here. So Sammy said, yeah. Um, yeah, there is if you're crying like a girl because you had a bad day, if something catastrophic has happened in your life, I can understand men are supposed to be strong. How can you protect your family if you're getting upset and crying all the time? Such an interesting comment. Thank mm. you, Sammy, for joining us. Um, I'm really, I'm like, I'm always interested in like, you know, ideas and really breaking them down. Like, so your phrase like crying like a girl really stands out to me. Like, how does a girl cry and how is it different to how a boy cries? Yeah. Is there a difference? I'm, I'm not sure. Um, yeah. So... You know, and it you know, talk about like how can you protect your family if getting upset and if you're getting upset and crying all the time? Is it? I think that's such a great. Um, yeah, I'm so interested in that because um, that seems to me that protecting your family and being there for your family is a really strong value mm. in in what you're saying. So I I hear that yeah, that's something that's really important. And it sounds like um, being upset and crying in you know in your mind kind of gets in the way of protecting your family and so yeah I guess I wonder if if there are like situations where it's you know it is seen as you're not doing your job um you're not living up to what you're supposed to be living up to if you're getting upset and you're crying um you know and you said you know crying all the time like I, I don't know anyone who cries all the time no. So I I wonder if is are there times when it is okay to cry? And, yeah. You know, I think you might have touched on that earlier, so we might have to go back and have a look. Yeah. Um, and also yeah. curious what it would actually look like to cry, but still protect your protect family. Protect your family, yeah. Because I'm yeah. curious if that's then modelling the fact that it's okay to be vulnerable. Yeah, and <laughs> like I that, wonder if that could be protective as well. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm sure it potentially could be. Um, but it'd be interesting. But it'd be there's, interesting to kind of break of, that down. Yeah. There's a lot in there. Yeah, and there's um, probably a lot of context around that comment that we we don't know at the yeah, moment. Yeah, so for we, sure. I don't want to, um, you know, make assumptions. No, we're just curious yeah, just as to curious. where this has come from, and um, yeah, yeah, if there is a, you know, other options as well. That's it. Well, there's some of the other possibilities there, and yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, 
Yeah, interesting. Well, thanks for all the Yeah, thank you guys for engaging with us. It's really interesting. Um, Yeah, there's so much that we can can talk about and, yeah, so we can – we might come back to some of that. We've got a few other topics we want to really – touch on here so we've yeah talked about drinking culture Mm. um i'm thinking about as well like men's mental health so in australia and again i don't know what it's like you know where you're from um where i'm from so we have quite a high um suicide rate for men so men um suicide in australia more than women do women attempt more than men but men are successful more than women I should mm. really say successful, probably mm. not the best term, um, but men complete that right. act yeah. more than women do. Um, so, you know, obviously what that says to me is that it's a big problem. Mm. Um, There's something that's not being something's addressed. Something's not being addressed. And I wonder if it relates to the expectations or if it's other things. Um, I guess, you know, mental health is a very complex thing and everybody has a different context so that always plays into it um mm-hmm. so i guess we can't be too i want to be careful not to be too general yeah and sure. go oh it's all this or it's yeah. all that like it could be financial it could be yeah. relationship it could be yeah. um anything yeah like you said like, it could literally yeah. be like a mental health issue issue that you're going yes, through like your brain doesn't work. produce enough serotonin yeah. yeah yeah so there's many factors we're not trying not so to generalize we're recognizing that it. there are lots of factors but yes. what we're trying to say is potentially this could be a big piece of the puzzle or at least yeah, a piece of the a puzzle. A piece of the puzzle, yes. yeah. And I guess so. I'll, I guess we can only speak from our own experience. So I guess we can talk from our perspective. Like, And so, Dan, I guess I could ask you, like, around, in your perspective and your experience, mm. how does this idea of, you know, um, you kind of get shamed for being vulnerable, how does that impact on, on your mental health? Mm-hmm. Well, for me, it, it affected me a lot through, I guess I mentioned a bit of it before, um, going through school, recognizing that I wanted to, you know, express myself maybe in different ways through creating videos online and through wanting to get into like a helping profession. Um, and I guess that was something that I had a little bit of resistance from people. But for the most part, I think I was I was just lucky to be able to take that time to reflect and also to have like my mum and a few other people, key people who were able to make me feel like it was okay to reflect Mm. and to be emotional and to be aware of my surroundings and my body and, and Mm. what actually makes me, I like to phrase it as what makes me tick, Mm -hmm. but I guess it's what makes me happy or what purpose I think I've got maybe. Yeah. Um, And that's kind of what I tried to explore because I, I recognize that, and this is something that uh, being a very reflective person and being like observing a lot, I noticed a lot of relationships or marriages or friendships breaking down from the outside mm. because of expectations and because of the way they were acting. And an example mm. of this is people who get into jobs that they absolutely detest. And then it mm. becomes an issue in the relationship because mm. they start taking it out on the other person. But then potentially mm. the other person goes, oh, but you need to make the money. You need to hold it together. Yeah. Where it's like, but then you can't actually explore something that potentially yeah, could dude. make you really happy. Yeah. So for me, I recognized that early on and I never wanted to um, become like resentful of anything and yeah. hate what I'm doing in my life yeah. because I saw it too much. I saw people just falling into traps and going, I hate my life and then going, but it's your fault. So I'm going to take it out on you. Yeah. So like that was something I recognized in a lot of relationships and a lot of um, connections. So for me, it was like seeing that and going, that's not what I want. 
and then really going, but what do I want? Yeah. So that was that opportunity, which has been years. It wasn't just something that happened. Yeah, you didn't just uh, get up I one morning. Yeah. Like, I know what I want. Yeah. And still to this day, I don't know what I want. You know, I'm doing wow, different things, yeah. but like, I know I want to uh, be flexible to change that. Yeah. Because I think it's um, when you start becoming rigid in your values and start mm. becoming rigid in the way that you see the world mm. and you don't have flexibility, that's when it starts mm. becoming potentially uh, not very helpful. Yeah, that can kind of hinder you a bit. Like potentially, very- yeah rigid in your thinking and um being like well it has to be all this way or all that way or Mm. yeah I think that's something you know definitely to be said for that and we do talk about that in our in counseling about you know having flexible thinking and um and so you know how that can be helpful Mm. um in adapting to different situations and and your life and um yeah there's different situations that come up for you so yeah yeah that that does that does make sense um i think i guess um from my perspective about men and mental health um you know i think it it has this you know there is again there's lots of factors so i don't want to be too general but i i do think that you know there are times when um you know this idea that you can't be vulnerable or you can't can't share your emotions or your thoughts can cause men to some men not all you know just to kind of shut down a bit or you know feel that they they mustn't they mustn't share um but that can have a negative impact on the people around them and on the relationships and and also you know maybe they don't end up having the relationship that they would like to have um Mm. because they are so, you know, firmly convinced that, oh, I, I must, you know, mustn't be vulnerable and it's not okay for me to share and if I do, you know, things will fall apart. I definitely have seen, you know, some of that around and so I think um, it would be, yeah, it might be helpful. I guess, yeah, I have to say it might be helpful. Can't guarantee, no guarantees, but it might be helpful for, um, you know, to explore the idea of, being vulnerable even just with one person one trusted person um or or if even just in little ways like it might not have to be like a big confession and you know yeah. bear your soul but it might just be you know like harry said being transparent and honest about something mm. and being open about something definitely um because that can be a form of vulnerability as well like going actually yeah. i didn't really like that yeah. And I know you really wanted me to, but I didn't. Mm. Or, or whatever it might be. Yeah. Yeah. Or like actually that thing you said, I know you thought it was funny, but it really wasn't actually hurt me. Yeah. Like that could be a huge step, that you could know. Be, yeah. That doesn't, you know, um Yeah. Yeah. So it could just be those little things like Definitely. but they're not little, they're quite they can be quite significant. Definitely, yeah. And yeah. and my mind goes to uh the step or maybe the experiment, the opportunity for people out there who are maybe wanting to try this more or um, wanting to be more in touch with their emotions or themselves. Um, I think the idea of just try to be an active listener. Like we spoke about this before, how uncomfortable it can be, but just, you know, try to sit with someone and just be active in the listening process. Like it doesn't have to be something necessarily massive that's going on in their life. But instead of like trying to push your agenda or, you know, because I feel like sometimes that can be a defense mechanism if we're trying to talk about ourselves all the time or we're trying to push forward yeah. our opinions or our judgments, like just try to sit there 
and recognize these emotions coming up, recognize mm. that you want to say something, but just try to sit with that. Like that's an idea yeah. of being vulnerable with emotion, but that's you're it. still being there with someone and it's not necessarily like um, too challenging. I wouldn't say like it is challenging, definitely. Yeah. But it's maybe not that big step of, you know, actually opening up about all of your emotions to some close friend that you've never said anything to. Mm, but this yeah. is the process of like <laughs> holding space, basically. That's it. And I think that is something that, you know, I guess going back to expectations, it's sort of, I guess, you know, again, in my experience, um, it's sort of women who are kind of seen as having that skill. Um, but like almost innately, like just magically having that skill. But again, mm-hmm. it's a skill. So it is learned. Um, mm-hmm. And so, and it's almost like seen as, oh, men can't do that because they're men. Mm-hmm. I'm like, well, that kind of is selling men a bit short, actually. I think um, there's some really amazing, you know, like I've met some amazing men who are counsellors, like in this course, and they can listen and hold, like, space for, you know, whatever big things you've got. Mm. Like, you know, they can just, they can cope with it. They're okay with it. Um yep to listen and hold the space and and not sort of, yeah, push their own judgment or, mm. or agenda. But also um, in turn, because they're counsellors, they also go to someone and, and speak about openly and transparently about the things that they're struggling with or and they might even share a little bit of that with, with a client or with their, you know, supervisee mm. as it's relevant. Yeah. Um, you know, I've definitely heard male counsellors say, oh, when I started in my practice, this was happening for me and I had to learn this. And they've sort of been open and vulnerable to me about their learning process. They, mm. they didn't pretend like they had it all together or like I'm really good and I know what I'm talking about and I'm your teacher so you should listen. They were very, like, open about the process they had to go through and I mm. really appreciated that. Um, I think that really my respect for them really went up a lot because of, you know, that kind of openness and vulnerability, like, yeah, I have a lot of respect. Yeah. Yeah, because it's not easy. It's a no, risk to be vulnerable. Like, definitely. for men and women, it's, yeah, it's yeah, a well, risk. That's a, yeah. And uh, one thing that stood out to me then was when you mentioned um, how it is a skill and how normally women are expected to have that skill, right? Yeah, and almost, like, naturally. You just yeah, have you it. Yeah, you just naturally have it. It's like, oh, no, <laughs> you have to yeah, learn it, yeah. <laughs> for sure, but then that immediately made me think about what we spoke about before with the dominant discourses and the neural networks yeah, because yeah. maybe it's then conditioned into women to be that way, so it's totally. expected... Um, so then again, there is this divide, yes. but on a on a consciousness shift, if men were then taught that it's okay to be that way, maybe that, that shift would happen and then it would be normal for men and women to be okay with emotions. Yeah, you know? That shift it. could potentially happen, but again, it's a generational change where it would have to happen over time. That's it, um, yeah. But I think like we've been kind of touching on, it, it's, it's happening, you know? Yeah. Like there are more men that are... Uh, open about what's going on than there probably ever has been especially with the advent of the internet that men can yes. actually share these thoughts yeah podcasts again another medium where men can just openly say things to the world mm. you know like that yeah. like I mentioned early on in this episode like that was one big thing for me that helped the idea yeah. that um you know I'm not crying constantly on the podcast I'm not showing this crazy <laughs> I don't think vulnerability. you've ever cried on the I, podcast I don't think you've ever seen thing. me cry maybe but um <laughs> I yeah I don't think I have but I don't think you've ever seen me cry either. well there you go so yeah like that's exactly right yeah I don't know yeah so it's interesting that people <laughs> yeah. put a value or a meaning to things where um yeah we're, we're just kind of the idea is starting a conversation that's kind of what that's it we wanted just, to, yeah. to do here today 
that's it um and there's been yeah there's so many other other things that I guess you know we could talk about in like expectations um can I tell a silly story yeah. like well when I was when I was um yeah like when I was nine when I was nine I was eight and I really wanted to play soccer mm-hmm. um but I went to the oval and the boys were like no you can't play with us because you're a girl and I just really wanted to have a go at mm-hmm. soccer so I just hung around on the oval. <laughs> I didn't leave. Every day I just go down and like ask, can I play? And they'd be like, no, you're a girl. You can't play with us. Like I'm eight. Okay. Wow. No, no, you're a girl. You can't play with us. Okay. Um, and then one day, and I don't know how, I can't remember how long it took. I don't think probably didn't take that long. One of the boys was like, yeah, you can play. Cause it was his, he brought the soccer ball. So it was his ball. So he was in charge of the game. Like that was the rule. Like whoever brought the soccer ball, they were in charge. So he said, yes, you can play. So then I was suddenly on the team and playing, uh, which I loved. And I played mm. every day. Like I went and played soccer every single day. Mm. Um, and because once I was in, I can't, that was it. Like I was playing soccer every day and no one could really say no anymore because yep. I'd already started playing. Um, but it's funny because, and I, I continued to play and I even joined like a, a club um, and played like under nine soccer or something. I did have experiences where like the other team, I remember one time the other team, like it was always all boys. I was always the only girl. And the other team looked at our team one day and looked at me and said, oh, this just gets easier and easier. Oh, Yeah, wow. yeah. But I, it was all right because I think I tripped him up. So that was okay. <laughs> Got him. I, I didn't mean to. I think I did a really good tackle and it was a total fluke. Yeah. But one of them, like, completely stacked it. Yeah, after you gained that their tackle. respect. I don't know if I did, but I felt pretty good about that. Mm-hmm. I was like, yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so, but, uh, you know, it's funny in that game what I learned was, like you don't cry mm. if the if you get smashed in the and I learned it like I learned not to cry in front of the team if mm. I got smashed in the face with a soccer ball or got winded you know like when you get like hit in the stomach and you can't breathe yeah I learned like not to panic and not to cry and like just to take the pain like just to you know like get smashed by a soccer ball and it hurt mm. and just to like not react yeah um because the boys did not react. And so I couldn't either because I was trying to like prove myself to the team. Interesting. Um, And I really learned like, yeah, do not. Like I really learned a lot of those guy Mm. kind of um, expectations just to fit in that environment. Yeah. Um, Yeah. And I prided myself on like, I'm tough. Mm. Like I'm a tough girl. You know, I can, I can handle it. Um, Mm. I was nine. Like, yeah. that's crazy. <laughs> Which is so interesting. So, and there's so yeah. much in there, like the word I'm a, or the phrase I'm a tough girl. I'm you could really dive girl. into that. Yeah, of yeah. Like, so uh, were the boys not classed as tough? Like there's interesting uh, I don't uh, know. things within yeah. that. I don't know. It was like I very much like thought of myself then mm. as like I'm a tough girl and yeah. I, can, like, I can handle it. And, yeah. I'm like really strong and yeah. don't take me on, don't mess with yeah, me. Yeah. And also um, it's interesting because yeah. um, you you said that it was like a, a learned response totally. to behavior. Totally, So yeah. was it never actually like explicitly said? No. No one ever said it. It was just kind of like you learned that from how they would Acted. kind of take it. Yeah. Like such. no one ever said don't cry. Yeah, yeah, I think yeah. they kind of expected I would because I was a girl. Right. And I was like, I'm not going to. I'm not going to give you that satisfaction. Like yeah. I'll prove myself to you and I will not cry. Like, mm. 
Yeah, it didn't matter. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was not going to cry for anything. So, yeah. Um, yeah, it's it's interesting, isn't it, how you can learn different responses for different contexts. Yeah. And yeah. So, and and also interesting how no one did have to say that to me. Mm. It was just the unspoken um, like norm. norm yeah. It was a norm, and mm. I picked up on it at such a young age. Even though it wasn't my gender norm, mm. it was it was a different gender norm, but I still learned it to fit in that environment. Mm. And I'd say it's probably still true in other, like, you know, for women in other male-dominated environments, like maybe workplaces where you're supposed to be tough, like the police or, um, you know, the firefighters or whatever, like yep. you're probably expected to have a level of, of, of strength. And, and I think there is still that idea um, that, you know, women in those services are uh, can still be looked down on because mm. they're they're not strong enough or they're not tough enough. And so yeah. sometimes they not all women feel that way. Um, but I think that is sometimes the story that goes around about them, like mm. from the men yep. in the yeah, and not all the men, but some of the men. And um, and so I just lost my train of thought. But I think yeah, some women sort of would feel that pressure, that expectation, yeah. and would act to. Um, fit into the environment Mm. and others are more like you know i know who i am and i know that i can do this job and more secure in themselves and not feel that pressure yeah um so it again it depends but i think Mm. yeah it's funny how the environment can really yeah work its magic Mm. on you not magical like insidious and really be like you've got to act x y and z yeah yeah and just by the sounds of it as well and from my experiences you, you definitely can recognize that these things are unspoken, either norms or expectations. Totally. Um, and I guess as you were talking about roles, it made me think about how certain genders are categorized as being in this particular role, this particular workplace, right? Yeah. So the idea that, you know, um, a nurse, for example, is is seen as like a female role, but you can be a male nurse and that's yeah. completely fine. Or well, we yeah. spoke about the midwife as well, like yeah. being a, a male midwife. Yeah, the hospital I went to to um, have my kids at, they um, they had male midwives there. So it's kind of funny putting like a female term to a man, like yeah. male midwife. Yeah. Um, but that's that's what he is. That's what he was. So yeah. um, that's what we call him. And yeah. Yeah. And, um, like, you can do that regardless of your gender, but it's interesting that, like, on a societal level, there are some, like, unspoken uh, expectations or or sometimes even spoken, uh, like, thoughts on what a male should do or what a female should do for their role. Yeah. Um, And I've been around that for sure. Like, people have even made comments to me about being a male counsellor. They they think that it's, like, a female role as such. Really? Which is interesting because, like, when you look (laughs) at our course, we have – a lot of guys and a lot of girls. Like, there's a it. mix. And our, our teachers as well are a mix. Mm. Like our tutors are a mix of male and female. It's, it's not all women. It's yep. not all men. It's, yeah. Yeah. And if you dive that into mixed. that narrative, I think it would be the idea that you're a man, you shouldn't be vulnerable and you shouldn't yeah. sit in a room and hold space potentially. Obviously, there's probably more to it. But if you break it down, it's interesting mm. that like a helping profession where you are showing your well, not even showing yourself, but being in a situation where someone is presenting maybe some quite tough topics mm. and you're holding that space or you're being present for them. Mm. It's interesting that people see that as like, well, that's what a female should do as such. Mm. Cause I, even through the psychology undergrad, 
there are a lot more females in the course than there were males. Oh, really? That's yeah. interesting. Yeah. And I noticed it like throughout the three years, it was like consistently that way. It was weighted mm. more towards females. Yeah, that's really interesting. And it might be a shift now. I, I don't know. I don't know. It was surprised me, to be honest, um, because that was an expectation of mine doing the psychology undergrad, going into counseling, thinking, will there be more females in here? And that was my expectation when I came yeah, into the course. There'll be a lot, of, yeah, there'll be a lot more women than there will be males. Um, but it was refreshing to see that there are a lot of extremely powerful and independent males who can still hold mm. that space as well. Totally, yeah. Um, and there's some of those guys, I'm like, you'd never ever say they were, like, weak or... Not at all, you know? <laughs> yeah. I wouldn't dare, actually, with a few yeah, of them. Yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah, they're, you know, big, tough guys, I yeah. guess. Like, where you look at them and think, oh, they're big, tough guys. Yeah. But yeah, totally. Yeah. Totally. Or like, just the fact that they can hold themselves together, like, they, yeah. they know themselves. To me, I yeah. see that as a powerful thing. Like when someone knows themselves and there's no like um, kind of, you know, they may say something, but their body says something else. Like they're reacting in a different way to how they're actually, like their body, sorry, is reacting a different way to how they're communicating. Okay. But I see a lot of these guys who will communicate with intention and they'll yes. be confident in that. Yes. It's like, this is how I feel. And so that's so powerful. I'm wondering if that is really, you know, you've just said hold it together. But in that context, so mm. I wonder if holding it together is not like, repress like suppressing your emotion and and refusing to be vulnerable but if it's actually like coming to a place where you're comfortable with yourself you're confident within yourself um Mm. and you you know you know the appropriate people to share the appropriate things with but you can be vulnerable you know in certain places and that is really what it is to hold it together is to know yourself and to have those places Mm -hmm. i wonder yeah yeah yeah, I wonder it's as really well. Interesting. It's really, really interesting. Well, we've definitely touched on a lot. Yeah, we really have. Um, How do you feel about wrapping yeah, up? Yeah, I think it might be time to start start wrapping up. Yep. Um, yep. And we before we did, um, we wanted to mention that um, we have put together a little survey, um, and we've put a link to that on um, the MetaMinds Facebook page and also on my Facebook page, which is just Nicholas Stevens. Um, and so it's it's for men or, you know, anyone who identifies as male um, can do the survey and it's around men's mental health. So it's about, um, you know, what particular issues might be most affecting you and um, and if, if we, like, we've got a list there of them which you can select from, but if, if yours is not covered in that list, you can just write an answer. Um, if you want to be in touch with us you can leave your email address but if you want to remain anonymous completely anonymous just don't put an email address in we won't know who has answered that's fine um and we won't be sharing that data we'll be um we're using it to yeah look at ideas for future episodes on the podcast maybe some potential resources um and we might announce like the top five results like what are the top five issues but we won't be sharing that data and it will be anonymous so um and so you don't and you don't have to do it either so all that kind of ethical stuff is is covered so yeah yeah yeah, so um, if you're interested in doing that, just, yeah, go to the MetaMinds Facebook page or to Nicola Stevens. Yeah, um, and... And it's only can, a few questions, like you said. Two questions. Two questions. Two yeah. questions. So, 
Yeah. And, um, and it could potentially guide, like you said, it could be anonymous. It could be something that you want to talk about and yeah. it could guide a future episode where we do talk about that particular topic mm. or maybe if there's a bit of overlap or things that we could add into the one episode, we might discuss a few topics. Mm. Um, but yeah, like you said, it's just an opportunity for uh, men to have their voice heard yes. and to have topics um, that, are relevant that are relevant to them. To them. Yeah. So, you know, I guess you could think of it as an exercise in vulnerability, but we've tried to make, you know, to say what is really, you know, on your mind or Mm. something that is um, affecting you. But we've tried to make it um, as, you know, safe and um, protected as possible so you don't have to be identified. Um, And what I was going to say one more thing about it, and I can't remember what I was going to say, but um, it was really good, I promise. (laughs) (laughs) It was really, really good. Um, yeah, I can't remember now. That's okay. If we remember it, we'll put it up on the on yeah. the Facebook page. Oh, that's it. I have remembered. If, you know, it's very unlikely, like we've just listed a bunch of topics that have, um, you know, that might be affecting you. But if for some reason you read those topics and you do feel like you're uncomfortable or, um, you know, it's, it's stirring up things for you that are quite troubling or distressing, um, you know, then you can um, just reach out to us on our, just message us on our Facebook pages um, and we'll refer you to the appropriate professional. Um, or, you know, if you don't want to do that, Lifeline and Beyond Blue in Australia are always great places to start. But I just wanted to give that little disclaimer. You know, I don't think it'll be a problem. We've kept it very general. But yeah. if there is something, again, this is just part of the ethics of putting together a survey, if there is something that, you know, does create distress for you, then, um, you know, you can seek out those services or please get in touch with us and we'll make sure you you get to a a service that can be of support to you. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I really appreciate you uh, coming on another live cast. I love it. I'll, you know, anytime, like, I'm probably just going to, I'll just take over your show, Dan. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it'll be cool. (laughs) No, I love, I love being here. Thank you so much for um, inviting me on tonight and it's been a great chat and thank you to everyone who's jumped into the chat and, and spoken so openly with us about all the things that are on your mind and what's going on. And hopefully we can, um, you know, be addressing some of that in, in future. Yeah, definitely. All right. Well, thank you so much for tuning in everyone. If you're listening to the podcast after the live cast, uh, appreciate every single one of you for tuning in um, again, reach out to us or, you know, even anyone in your support network, mm. whether it's family or friends, reach out to, to people in your life, because I, I assure you that, um, you know, p- people will be there for you if yeah. you need it. Most of the time, obviously, um, we don't know every single person in the world, but most of the time, uh, you know, it it can be really powerful to reach out to someone mm-hmm. if you need that that chat or whatever, mm-hmm. that support, or even just that that time to just hang out and be with someone yeah. if you do feel lonely, maybe. Yeah. Um, and sometimes it's okay if it's just sometimes one person is enough. That's yeah, all you need. That's yeah. It. Yeah. Yeah. So thank you, everyone, for tuning in. Make sure to have a fantastic day. Thank you. And peace out. Peace out. Bye.